Avengers. Assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills. Coordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hey, this is Sully from the Funko Funcast, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelous, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of quarantine, number dose. Two. Exactly. We want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on social media. We do. At a distance. Social distance. Are we doing from a distance? Are we doing Anne Murray now? No, that's Bette Midler, you ding-dong. Yes, but, but uh, no Anne buts. Murray covered it. <gasps> how dare she. I know. Believe me, I know. Those telemer- or, uh, infomercials are like burned into my brain. Okay. Uh, anyway, mm. go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. And on Instagram and Twitter at The Marvelists. And on top of that, you can follow us individually. Myself on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Melnick and on the Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. And there's only one place in the whole wide, worldwide interwebs that you can find Mr. E. Wilson at, and that is... Eddie9193. And that's on Instagram, so Uh be sure to check him out. On top of that, we are joined with a very special guest on the line. He is someone that we've had on the show before from our Toy Fair episode in 2019 and was technically there in our Toy Fair 2020 episode, but due to technical difficulties... Involving my recorder. <sighs> well, Snap. that had happened. He's joined all the way over on the best coast. He is Sully of the Funco Funcast. Sully, good, good afternoon or good morning or after early afternoon for you, I think, over those time oh, zones. Good. good afternoon, Peter and Eddie. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Uh, it's a bummer our, our episode didn't make it out of uh, the depths of Toy Fair, but you know, the true sign of a, a successful podcast is lost episodes. I think you just chalked another one up for a big W there. Dang, we don't have too much loss. We're we're in bad bad shape, I guess. <laughs> You're working on it. Jeez. Now, since the last time we recorded on our one episode from two days ago, where we were joined with an honorable mention, Shane Hagedorn, a lot has happened even since, and the big one is right now due to everything going on in the world. Free Comic Book Day 2020 has been postponed, and we predicted it. Mm. Oh. Gentlemen, thoughts, comments, strongly worded well, I observations. Didn't, I didn't hear about it, but what uh, what else did they say? Just postponed indefinitely? Yeah, I did not check the link, but it is postponed. We don't. I don't know of an exact date, but it's still going to probably happen, at least in a digital sense, because Marvel wants to roll out some of the stuff that's happening for their events. Not the same. Not the same. Still, it's still no. free comic books. Digital. Come on. It's in person. It's a lot of people in the store. It's tactile. That's what it's got to be. That's the only way I know it. Digital lighter on the wallet. Well, well, well. Chachi. Yeah, I mean, I really think that the purpose of Free Comic Day has always been getting people to the stores. But in this time where that's really being uh, frowned upon and we're being instructed to, to not do those things, I think companies have to pivot a bit. Uh, at Funko, we definitely did with the, the cancellation of Emerald City Comic Con. We quickly pivoted to do what we called Virtual Con. And I think it went over really well because people are trapped at home uh, and want something to still do. And especially if they had planned to be off for conventions or if they planned for free comic book day and then they can't make it out, I think there should be something for them to do, not necessarily in lieu of, but at least temporarily until uh, an accident actual date can be set up. I agree. You know what, Sully? There you hit it just right there. Virtual free comic book day. Final Boom. round. Hey, digital, Eddie. I like it that way instead. Yeah, but still <laughs> same thing. Anyway. <laughs> he said it nicer. Well, yeah. Well, what did I say? With, while holding a knife or something? Well, you know. 
Now, in regards to a lot of that, there, you know, there is, of course, going to be the disappointment. But, again, we have to reiterate this. Safety first. You know? Safety first. Just on the workplace, like that, too, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. But, yeah. I changed my mind about my stance. So, yeah, let's do it virtual yeah. for now. And one of the things about it that also, it's uh, one of those things where I'm excited to see what can, you know, this can lead to, too, because there's going to be, I don't even know where I'm going with that. But mm. <laughs> anyway, on top of that, on our on the last episode, Sully and myself had talked about something that it was a given. We knew this was going to happen, but before everything was getting canceled due to everything going on in the world, at Toy Fair, we had discussed that a certain film director had canceled one of his appearances for a convention, and that someone is Sam Raimi. And the reason being is supposedly he is officially signed on to do Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Sully, during that last episode, you gave your thoughts, and we'd like to hear them once again. Yeah, I mean, uh, I am, for one, hyped about this idea. Is it officially announced, or is it still speculation at this point? Well, during the uh, Internet articles over on Variety, which they're a news source I can't dispute, they had mentioned that he's in talks. And when you put two and two together, you get four. Four. (laughs) Thank you, ladies. We're not golfing. But (laughs) on top of that... What we ended up getting is the assumption that I think it's going to happen if the man is canceling all of his convention appearances, which, by the way, I felt so bad for places like Monster Mania where they're like, wow, we finally got Sam Raimi. He's finally going to do our con. We've had Ash, but the, the architect of the Evil Dead movies, we're going to finally get, oh, we lost. So, well, to your point, uh, it, at the time it was a real bummer when we were talking about it, but since the landscape has changed so drastically and now many of the cons, if not all of them, over the next you know couple of months at least are going to have to postpone or cancel, uh, I, I think that's probably best for this scenario. If Sam Raimi is indeed going to be coming back to, uh, to the new MCU, as it were, <clears throat> I think it's, it's going to be great for him to have some time to think on the project and and start prepping and then working on it. And then they can schedule around his filming schedule to bring him back to those cons. If they appear later this year or come back next year, I, I for one, I loved his Spider-Man movies, at least the first couple. Uh, and uh, I loved hearing the stories about the potential fourth Spider-Man movie that he had started working on and had written. And I, I wanted to see it happen. It's just kind of a shame how three went down with uh, studio interference. And, uh, you know, I bet he had a, a sour taste in his mouth, but he's a great storyteller. He's a great director. And if he can bring his talents to the MCU, I think that's one of the, the real positives that the MCU has is that they do use a variety of different directors to tell different stories with different feels. I absolutely am in love with everything Taika Waititi does. He brought a real difference uh, to the MCU. And I, and I think Sam Raimi can do that in his own way as well. So I, for one, am on board. I agree with you, absolutely, because and everything's just going to have to hit that big old reset button, you know, with with comic book day, with movies, shows, cons, all that kind of stuff. We're just going to have to painfully await, okay, this one's now canceled. This one, you know, it's still put off. We can't really necessarily predict how far out, you know, at this moment that we know of, the Garden State Comic Fest is still at the end of June. Maybe, maybe not. As we get closer, we'll know. Uh, again, it's going to be that that pain <laughs> kind of thing that we wait and find out. All right, is it happening? Is it not happening? One of the things, though, that a lot of people are talking about right now is apparently, with Black Widow getting delayed, it's still not going to affect the timetable of everything going on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if that's the case, does this mean maybe that, as we speculated on the previous episode? Are they going to maybe be doing a digital release of Black Widow? Who knows? I don't. I was going to say if it didn't affect, it doesn't affect the subsequent films that come out after May first. Then perhaps when it's okay to put her back, they find a spot to put a release date for Black Widow, and and the fans, the moviegoers, will you know dig in a little more and say, okay, I just went two weeks ago to this one. Now 
Let's go to that one. I think they'll be behind it. It's just wild with one thing that I was thinking about. So last week was the release of Bloodshot in theaters over by Valiant Comics, which, by the way, I feel horrible for Valiant. Their first movie, their first ever character that gets a big screen treatment, comes out during the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, well, did it even have too much advertising? I don't I didn't recall seeing an ad for it. Eh, not really. Not really. But, here's, yeah. but again, here's the thing about it. That all happened. Well, now, currently, they announced, hey, because of everything going on, we're going to release the movie digitally on March 24th. So the same month it was in theaters, this big-budget movie is going to be coming out immediately on digital streaming services such as iTunes, Amazon, etc. And... Again, it's kind of heartbreaking to hear that because regardless of anything, they put their damnedest into that movie. And just for everything to happen the way it did, I'm hoping this is going to be one of those movies. I haven't seen it. I actually had a ticket for that Friday night, but canceled it immediately because I'm not crazy. So I wanted to stay safe. And it was, it was a bummer, but hopefully this is going to be one of those movies that can get discovered through home video. Like a lot of movies out there. Yeah, I'm with you, Peter. I, I really do feel for Valiant and Sony Pictures. I think it's a shame that, that this happened because it only made, I think it made less than $10 million in oh, the uh, the days that it was in theaters. Mm. But at the same time, I really like this approach that they've taken with this. And I forget what studio is behind The Hunt and a few other films. Uh, moving it to essentially what's a 48-hour rental for about 20 bucks. I think this has been tried in the past at higher price points, uh, and I really like the concept. And we live in a time now, at least in this short interim, where people are still looking for content, and they've probably gone through their Netflix queue, their Hulu, their Disney+. And this may turn into a win. Uh, it might be a shifting point for films, because maybe this turns into a nice little test for Sony and other companies to see if there's a way they can make money on home sales versus theaters. I feel really bad for the theaters. I think they're so the ones I. that are the real losers in all this because well, it is going to hurt them bad yeah. to have their doors closed for six weeks to a few months. But who knows for us, the fans, I, for one, am going to put my money behind watching Bloodshot on the 24th when it comes out because I want to support the studio and their decision to do that. And hopefully it's a big win for them and they make a ton of money off of it. Well, speaking of that too, um, I had just recently Right the, like the day before it was coming out, I said, Bloodshot, wait a minute, isn't that a character from... And here we are. But I'm not sure if anybody asked or found out, if anybody found out why this character from that comic book company was chosen. Has there been any talk about that? Or I think it was all Vin Diesel. I'm mm. pretty sure that was his, his dream, or uh, one of his dream characters to play for the years, and I think he made it happen. I'm not sure if he's a full-on producer on this one, but I bet he is. Okay. Vin Diesel's just sitting around in between D&D sessions talking about Bloodshot and Street Sharks. I love Street Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, what was, your, what was your observation about Street Sharks a few months ago? That's still my favorite thing. Oh, shoot. I can't remember now. Mm -hmm. Half man, half pants. Or half shark, half pants. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the DC villain, wasn't it? Street Sharks were the 1990s uh, answer to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when everything had to be extreme and half-animal. And maybe a predecessor of um, SpongeBob SquarePants. You stop that. Well, maybe. I, you know, just, try, <laughs> just taking a shot here. Now, one of the things also, I, I just got to say this, we're not being paid by Valiant or anything to say this, but myself, I'm a big Valiant fan. And one of the things i got to point out is if you have a Comixology Unlimited account, you can actually borrow almost every single book put out by Valiant. And there's, I was doing the Comic Book Herald reading order, and damn, is it some good stuff. Like, Exo Manowar alone is like one of my favorite comics, and just phenomenal stuff that everyone sleeps on. No one acknowledges how great of a company Valiant is, and they're amazing. You have Exo Manowar, Harbinger, Shadow Man... Of course, Bloodshot, but my personal favorite over here, Quantum and Woody, as well as uh, Archer and Armstrong. But Quantum and Woody, amazing stuff that, again, so many people are sleeping on. And if you get the chance, 
pick up value. They so, have some great stuff out there. Well, so you can borrow, but I just want to know, are there any late fees? You stop that. <laughs> no, I, actually, I don't know how this works. I know. I think you can uh, read some of Valiant stuff if you have a library card and have the OverDrive or Hoopla app a on li- your phone. You're serious? A library card? Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is if you have a library card and you open up the app, put your library card in, you can download digital stuff for free. There you so. go. Okay. I've heard of, a, of some of those titles, you know, seeing them in the uh, stores, but I honestly only have, geez, it's a Valiant Reader that I have from 1993 in my, and the in my own collection. the thing is that era of Valiant is just as good, too. No one really acknowledges how great that run. But... If you, again, if you have the ability to, definitely check out a lot of what Valiant has put out. And, again, cannot recommend it enough. Comic Book Herald, check out what they got with that. Well, they help guide you through. Maybe this will be a good start for, for Valiant in a, in a way that it's going to get the name out there. And even though it came at a very bad timing, that you know Valiant becomes, oh, that's another comic book company kind of thing. Because the, otherwise, the only thing I know is Prince Valiant. Otherwise. Yeah. Oh, God. With that dumb hair. <laughs> Yeah, I got a snort out of that. It's good. <laughs> you got me. And it wasn't mine. Now, on top of that, with a lot of stuff going on. How many tops you got here? Jeez, Peter. Eh. You got at least four. Come on. Reading See, wise. See, I told you four. Reading wise, watching wise, what are we watching? What are we reading? What are we playing, by the way, in regards to some Marvel and comic book related in general stuff? Sully? Well, you know, I've, I've not been a big comic book reader. I'm definitely a collector. Uh, I love the art, uh, and I'm always on the lookout for more Scotty Young covers. I just absolutely love his stuff. Uh, but as far as TV, movies, news, I've been following along with the story that the uh, like Daredevil from the Netflix shows may appear in the third Spider-Man film, which right. I really love the concept of that. I've always thought they should bring in the, uh, the defenders from TV into the MCU in some way. So mm. I really hope that happens. That would be really, uh, and really good. What I'm watching, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have on during the day cause we are working from home right now. I do love to have something on in the background that I've already seen before just to, for some noise, kind of like uh, having at the office. And so I constantly have on an MCU film of some kind. And, and one of my favorite all two Go, uh, go-to's is Captain America, which I will have on probably this afternoon at some point. I just, uh, I don't know, it's soothing, it's comforting, it's, uh, you know, having Steve Rogers there alongside you at work is always good. <laughs> you got that right. Mm-hmm. You just said Captain America. You're referring to the very first Captain America movie, correct? Yes. Yeah, the, the it's one of my all-time favorites. I just, I love the origin story films. I think they're always a great, a great film, regardless of of the story, just seeing them evolve into these characters is great, but I think he did such a wonderful job in that. Personally, I love the Captain America trilogy because each one somehow manages to find a way to surpass the previous one. And the first one alone was fantastic. Yep. Four. Again. It fit. I'm so sorry. Sully, I got to interject a tangent because that's what I kind of do. So that means with having some music or whatever in the background, does that mean you have to go to sleep with some noise too? You know, I do actually. I, I really like. I have a. I have one of those Amazon Echo Dot, and I always put on the rain music, a uh, rain sound. All right, I was going to say because uh, there are the few days it doesn't rain up here in Seattle. Oh, okay. I thought maybe if you grew up in a city environment, then you have to have some kind of noise. It's, it's not a country setting where you can just not often boom, you're done. A little bit of both. Yeah, I always grew up around some sort of noise. I've yeah. always lived somehow near train tracks, which uh, oh, yeah. I don't understand why that's a thing, why I keep choosing places like that, but I do. Does that mean you were born on the other side of the tracks? <laughs> yeah, eight-mile style. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> I now, can't, can't touch that. All right. <laughs> okay, Hammer. But one of the things that has gotten me thinking about all this is I'm, I've been doing a lot of uh, playing video games again. And as a result, I'm playing a lot of, of course, Marvel games. And I hooked up my Sega Genesis, and needless to say, I'm playing a lot of X-Men 2, The Clone Wars. I cannot get over, again, how great of a game that is. And on top of that, I've also been playing a lot of uh, Lego Marvel Avengers, which might very well be the best Marvel Cinematic Universe game, too. Hmm. I love those Lego games. They're so much fun. Uh, 
they're so underrated. Like, I remember when I was in school back, like way back in the day, I had mentioned to a friend who plays games like Halo and stuff like that. And he dismissed me because I told him, I'm like, I love Lego Star Wars. And he just knocked it over and over. I'm like, come on. It's fun gameplay. They're fun to play, of course. And they're just, there's so much you can do in those kind of games. And that's the end of that story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just wish I had more time for him. But... One of one of the things that I've also been doing as well is I'm you know checking out a lot of uh, Marvel stuff that I haven't had the chance to really get to, and one of those right now is a lot of the stuff on Disney Plus. And I got to tell you, Spider-Man the Animated Series still holds up and is still just as fantastic as it was when I first watched it back in 1994. And again, that's the end of that story. Sorry, Peter, well, can't and- add to that one. Don't forget, you got the surprise drop of Frozen 2 this past weekend, and while that may not be MCU, I mean, come on. It's it's I'm absolutely crazy how much content that Disney Plus has given us now, especially. And with Frozen 2 especially, that was one of those, when I saw that that got dropped, I admit I immediately downloaded it to my phone because, one, I like Frozen 1. I you know, Although, if they do a third Frozen movie, will, this, will the E in Frozen be replaced with a 3? I think it's required. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have four rows in for the fourth one. Four. <laughs> Sir. They keep on coming. Sir. Uh, I was going to say, how about putting the letters R-E and a hyphen in front of it? Ooh, the cricket sound effect. Do we have that? <laughs> Jeez. I, I, was, I was trying to work it out in my head. <laughs> now it makes sense. I'm not going to lie. I'm good at jumbles in the paper, but anyway. <laughs> well, you know, about things dropping and so on, and I don't remember if it just came out or it's just about to come out on, on digital to start with is the last, sorry, the final Chapter 9 Star Wars movie, which I think is coming out on DVD on the 31st. Now, that's going to have an impact, or not to the best way, a negative impact, since it's going to be out during this. How available, how are people going to be able to get that, delay getting I'll that? Find, oh, I'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you see that? I mean, I wonder if that might be another one of these transitions, like Bloodshot being available at home for a for a higher price. Will more people be willing to purchase it on digital or rent it instead of going for a physical copy? I mean, I I personally always love the physical copies, especially when it's like a steel book or something. Mm. Uh, but I'm finding myself more and more just going, "Hey, I got an Apple TV. It'd be real easy to just drop five bucks and rent this movie real quick, and then if I like it, maybe I'll go buy it." Right. Again, so, that's, you know, yeah. that's been me with uh, comic books, where I'll see a sale, and I now have almost the entirety of uh, the Chris Claremont X-Men, and I got that for pennies on the dollar, pretty much. As opposed to, you know, shelling out, like, $100 for an omnibus, or 25 for a paperback, or insane amounts of money for, like, an individual issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something we talk about at Funko a lot, uh, people collecting the figures and and trying to capture their youth by uh, collecting the individual characters or films or television shows of the things they grew up on and loved. And, and it's been said many times, but I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we don't have as many physical things in our life anymore uh, with regards to, like, we used to all have VHS collection and everybody had a DVD collection. And now I think it largely, unless you had a collection back in the day, you don't. You don't have those sitting on a shelf. There's no story to tell when, when people come over to see what you're into, but something like a pop or a, a Nendoroid or a fig pen or any of the other collectibles that are out give you that opportunity to collect a physical something to show your yeah. fandoms. Sure, and people uh, have walls of maybe books. Yeah, we've seen, I've seen uh, several people posting a whole wall of, of pops in the theme or, or just in some kind of, in a pyramid fashion or whatever. But on that on that topic, Sully, I thought of a Funko type question, and that's um, in my particular collecting stuff, as as oh, allowed as allowed going. as allowed by spouse. Good good for you. Just hold on, and buckle up. That I have a couple of of pops. The rest that I have, which are about three dozen, are the wacky wobblers. Whatever yep, happened? I knew it. And the question is, whatever happened to them? Uh, the wacky wobblers were really popular, uh, even when pop was. 
first released, and pop just kind of took over. Uh, there's still a contingency of original, we call our fans fanatics. There's a contingency of fanatics that are still diehard wacky wobbler collectors. There's still an aftermarket that's going strong today for those older figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point, two, three years ago, uh, maybe two years ago, Ed Funko, there was uh, a ch- uh, opportunity to kind of uh, reinvent that line in what we called wobblers. And we did that for Solo and for Marvel. I know for sure there was an Iron Man and a Captain America and I just don't think they caught on uh, the way the Wacky Wobblers had. Uh, so I dare say they're, they're not dead, uh, but they're kind of on the back burner for now. And it is all entirely possible that one day Funko will go, hey, let's get back into the Wacky Wobbler game again and, and give this another run. I don't know of anything specific, but it's entirely possible. Do you have any idea, Sully, how many years or what time frame that they were out? And or how, how and in terms of a number, how many different ones there were? Yeah, we just celebrated 20 years at Funko last year, mm. and for the first 10 to 11, maybe 12 years, uh, the Wacky Wobblers were the, the front runner uh, for our collectibles, and that's what built the brand of Funko. And then Pops came along, and that uh, that definitely changed the story. So I'd say we at least had a dozen strong years uh, of Wacky Wobblers. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Funko recently put out was the, they're like, so if you can describe it, it's the soda can ones. Yeah. Yeah. Our new soda line, which we, uh, we premiered or debuted right before uh, Toy Fair, but then we had a, a strong presence with a cooler uh, there at Toy Fair to show these off. And uh, they are metal cans. That's the packaging. It's the exact same shape and size as a traditional soda can. The entire top, instead of like a pull tab or, or the way you would traditionally open a soda, the entire top comes off, and there's a figure inside, um, which seems simple enough, but Funko applied what Funko does, and that is to make it attractive to collectors and to specialty shops specifically by making them very limited quantities. I think the largest quantity we made of any one was Batman at 10,000 pieces. Some went all the way down to three or 4,000 pieces. Um, which in itself is already attractive to a collector, but then there are chase figures. So one out of, I think it's six, uh, in most of the cans, you have the opportunity to pull a chase figure, which is essentially just a paint variant of the same character. So like for Batman, if you were lucky enough to get the chase, he comes in all gold instead of the, uh, instead of the blue and, and yellow. And uh, it's been really popular with the fans already because it is a really cool stylized vinyl in there. Uh, note, there is no actual soda in the can. We get that question a lot. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's been really attractive to retailers as well because all the big box stores and your Amazon and Target and Walmart, they carry pops. But then you've got the comic book stores, uh, which we talked about free comic day and getting people into those stores. You've got those comic book stores. And you've got smaller retailers um, all the way up to, I think, Hot Topic is the largest chain that we'll work with uh, that will be able to sell soda. And they'll each have restricted smaller quantities that they'll be able to buy. So I think for a collector, it's a real fun new addition to the Funko product line. Uh, I personally love them. Uh, I've already got a few. My, my personal favorite was the Big Boy and the uh, Motu, Masters of the Universe one. And I'm hoping in the future, because it's been hinted at, that we may have and other movies and television shows. Um, we'll see in coming months. But I know the initial response is very strong on those, and there will be new waves every month. I don't know if it's a more recent uh, figure that came out, and I've seen it not maybe not maybe in the store, but I've seen it on online, a Facebook, whatever. And to me, it's somewhat graphic because there's blood in there, and it's the Bruce eating you know, Quint from Jaws. Oh yeah, one of my personal favorites. Yeah, well, we're, we're Funko is no stranger to blood or blood splatter. Uh, going back to the early Walking Dead ones, there were the zombies, or, or I'm sorry, they don't call them zombies, the Walking Dead. Uh, there were and there were characters like Daryl, and you could get him in a blood splattered variant, or Herschel with a removable head. I mean, there's been things like that along the way. That uh, you know, we're we're not no stranger to those those big events, those big happenings, whether it's bloody or or beheadings. So when it comes to your favorite fandoms, so I'm learning I some have, here. Funko has Chase, like you said, the gold colored or maybe silver. So and I thank you because I have seen those around. Uh, for, thank you for the explanation. And and Funko also has variants, which maybe they borrowed from the comic books. I don't know the idea. 
Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of different ways that we get different versions of our figures out. I mean, technically, you would call a chase a chase variant. Uh, but a lot of times what we'll do at comic book uh, conventions like SDCC, Emerald City, New York, uh, we will have a different version of a figure that you can only get there at the con or maybe with a shared retailer right. that's limited in quantities. Uh, like we've done a bunch of chrome Batmans in different colors, one for each con, and those have been very popular. Um, you name it. We'll, we'll do flocked versions. So, uh, in other words, fuzzy on the outside. Like oh. We have uh, a couple we just announced for WonderCon of Pokemon figures that the main line was standard vinyl, and the exclusive or variant for the con will be flocked. So when you say chrome, but a different colors, because chrome I think of as a silver color or a grayish, but it could be a, a, a dark blue, let's say, or something else, but that's still considered chrome? Yeah, absolutely. That finish of having a, a shiny, super polished exterior uh, okay. we've done in, in colors like pink, green, blue, black, you name it. And then occasionally we'll work chrome into the standard vinyl as well, so it's just a part of it. Like we did for Mandalorian, uh, there's one of the Mandalorian Amazon exclusives that's mostly just vinyl and standard paint, but his armor is then chromed. And it works just so well for that figure. And for myself, when you mentioned about the uh, bloody figures, I was trying to say before, the figure I have that's like that is the Cassidy Irish Vampire figure from Preacher, which I think was the Hot Topic exclusive. And it's just him covered in nothing but blood. Yeah, that one and was extra bloody. I remember that. <laughs> that and it's just, I was going to say you could boom. add your own. You became with a couple of packets, like ketchup packets. You could add your own and customize it. <laughs> I've seen and some I know fans actually, or, or smaller companies, sell um, protective plastic sleeves you can put around your pop. We just call them pop protectors. <laughs> They'll sell them with blood spotter already on there. Yeah. So you can kind of make your own variant in a way. And it's wild to see some of the, like I've, the custom scene especially. And, you know, you've, you've definitely seen some of the stuff on like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter of what people can make with the pops. And again, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, there are some amazing artists out there that don't work for Funko uh, that do the customs, and we don't frown upon it by any means. We even provided, uh, a couple years ago, we started making a DIY line uh, that's just a male and then another one that's just a female, so people can use those as a base to make their own customs. Uh, there's a huge market for that, one-offs. People want a, a pop of, of them or for a friend for a birthday or something. Uh, and there's, I know of a few artists personally uh, that just do some amazing work. I even have a, a custom of me in my tr or, uh, iconic, if you will, giant orange foam cowboy hat that I wear to some of our events. And it's one of my most prized possessions because I know that's the only one that's ever going to get made. It's not like it's going to be a, a mass-produced item. Uh, but I, I, love it. I think it's amazing what they do. One of the things, though, that always does kind of drive me insane whenever I see a custom pop is when someone will add pupils to a pop vinyl. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it looks so unnatural, doesn't it? It, it throws you off for sure. You know, there's a there's a huge group of people out there. I see the comments all the time that just have never been a fan of the stylized pops. Like they, I, I've seen the line many times: the soulless black pit eyes. And hey, you know, everybody's a fan of something. Maybe it's not for everybody. Personally, I think it's like I think it's a cool style. That's what got me into collecting it in 2011. I love that it's different from everything else. But at the same time standardized across all the fandoms. So to your point, for some of you to then take it and, and put real eyes or pupils on there, it's trippy and a whole different reason. So really, they, they when they first came out, there were no pupils? And now, because I've really mostly only seen them with pupils. Well, it's just the solid black circle, but some people will go on there yes. and add uh, white with pupils. There are some exceptions for okay. sure. Uh, sometimes instead of black, they're white, but I like, I'm looking behind me and I have the cuphead ones on my shelf. Uh, and for the devil and Cagney carnation, their eyes are not the traditional solid black. Uh, they are cut out more like a Pac-Man. So that gives them a little bit more of a, of an attitude, a little bit more true to the game. Okay. Uh, and there are definitely some lines that, that we don't do exactly in the pop form. They're, they're slightly varied. Personally, the one that I'm the most fond of is the original Joker one with the little twisty, crazy eyes. Oh, yeah, I think that was a Loot Crate exclusive. That was a really cool one. Very different, but on, but done on purpose. And one of the other things also on top of that is the fact of they have all of these different looks to them. And, yeah, you know, 
I like I like the minimalist because it ends up helping you identify who these characters are in these different ways. Like you yeah, look at a uh, Andy Dwyer pop vinyl, and you can tell it's Chris Pratt. Yeah, who? It... You stop that. I got off the four. Now I'm on <laughs> who? <laughs> yeah, our, our artist at Funko, uh, truly amazing. I, I cannot get over what they can do with two eyes, a nose, hair. Uh, maybe a mouth and just the standard blocky head. Uh, to your point, you can take them out of the package, set them on a shelf, and nine times out of ten, you can look at it and go, "I know exactly what character that is and what actor played that character." <laughs> it just it just works. I think now more than ever, if you look at the earlier pops that were all in the superhero pose, maybe not so much, but now the art that they do is just oh, some of the anime ones we make. I'm blown away of the fact that they can pull it off at all, much less to to do honor to the character like they do. It's a very talented group of people there. I, I wish I had one one hundredth of their ability. As a Star-Lord fan, personally, I'm so happy with the glow-up that they did. With uh, There was the original, I want to say, box lunch Star-Lord, and he had the uh, headphones on, and he's missing his eyebrows. But then when Volume 2 came out, they added the eyebrows, they added the facial hair, and it just looks just like it. It's perfect. Yeah, that's definitely one of the evolutions over time. Those early ones didn't have much for facial features, and now they're getting more and more detailed every day. I mean, you look at, uh, again, I'm looking behind me on my shelf here at some of them, um, trying to pick out one that really makes the most sense. I like the Rick and Mortys. I've got a bunch behind me right now. We've added mouths uh, to those to give them a little bit more attitude, but they're still done in the pop style. And so you can see like a smirk on Morty's face. Or, like, I've got Toxic Rick, where he definitely is drooling. You can see it, and he's freaking out. You can totally make it out in the pop space. And then on top of that, you guys end up having the 10-inch ones, which, oh, man, you guys are killing me with that one because I collect the Pusheen ones. I love the Pusheen ones. And when I saw the 10-inch Pusheen, I'm just like, oh, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. If they made a 10-inch Sully, I'd be all over it. Uh, we definitely have had good response from uh, from the team or from fans on purchasing those. And, it, you know, it's a little higher price point. Uh, I think the biggest concern for me as a collector is it takes up more space. So I have to be selective yeah. on the ones I get. But, like, I got uh, I got the 10-inch Baby Groot. It was one of the first one that we made in that size. And it's basically life-size. There's a 10-inch Baby Yoda coming. Uh, that's essentially life size, and mm. to, the, to me, those make the most sense. Yeah, and I'll definitely add them to my collection. I got the ten inch loot llama from Fortnite, just because I think that's a cool piece to have. Uh, so on and so on. We've made a bunch, and I, I imagine based on the response from fans, we'll just continue to make more and more. What uh, What is the price point approximately for those larger ones? Do you know? I believe nineteen ninety nine. So not terribly more expensive. A traditional pop is around nine ninety nine to twelve ninety nine. I know the uh, ten inch ones at Target are about thirty. Is it that much? I might be wrong. Maybe it is twenty nine. I, yeah. I don't often see the retail numbers unless I happen to be out and about, and even then, I just see them on the shelf, but rarely uh, mm. check the pricing. You know what? As far as and I would, this would be a question for me because only seeing them and then uh, the, the numbering of them. What what's the story with with that? It could be very simple, but I'm I'm that way. That I'm curious about too. Well, with each line, uh, if you look in the upper left-hand corner of a, of a Funko Pop, that there will be a line that it's a part of, like pop games or pop movies or pop animation, pop ad icons. But anytime we start a new line like that, uh, the there'll be a number order uh, for that line. So, for instance, I've turned around and I'm looking at my Halo collection, and I actually have Pop Halo number one, which was Master Chief. Uh, and then they start in order from there. So... I also have in my Marvel collection. I know those go up to the three, four hundreds easily. Uh, pop movies. I'm looking at for Beetlejuice. You did a hot topic exclusive recently. It's six hundred and forty-one. So just uh, in that line, what number it was put out? Uh, to be fair, there are some errors along the way where we duplicated a number or a number was skipped, and I don't know exactly why that is, other than maybe just you know human human mess ups, which happens. Uh, but yeah, they're, that's pretty much the standard form. Is is there the number in that line that they came out? All right, so according it goes according to the line, and in a, in sort of a similar way, like comic book runs, um, 
And then, uh, you know, because initially I just thought, well, it's just like, here's the next batch that we put out. Let's do the numbers, you know, under the general pop umbrella. But if it's a different line or sub-series kind of thing, then you start with ones again. So it, so there could be duplicates in that sense. Yes, exactly. And we're adding new lines all the time. Like, I think we just did pop directors just spun off into its own line, even after we had done Taika and James Gunn and a few others. Uh, now it's its own line, so it started over with a number one. And I don't remember offhand who that was. There we go. Okay. Sully, on behalf of Funko, if Eddie ever decides to start collecting pop vinyls, can you please promise to never, ever change where the number is? Because he will have a conniption <sighs> about it. <laughs> well, I'll make no promises, but I will tell you, we've had many discussions internally about, uh, is it time to update the box? And we always come back to no, because it's so iconic in its current form. Uh, the, the most changes we've made is recently for uh, Batman, we've gone to, instead of a white box with dark print, we've gone to black boxes with light print and even uh, foil embossing on there. And I think those look fantastic, but they're still in the, in the tradition of a typical pop box. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, just for that very reason. That just reminded me, too, I've been to at least a couple times, Peter's been with me in, in White Plains in Westchester at Comic-Con, uh, Undiscovered Realm, and there's been at least one time a life-size pop figure box you could step into and take your picture. Oh, yeah. We, we do those uh, to work with various different companies and conventions and movie theaters uh, to give, you know, just people an opportunity to do something a little different, a little a photo Instagrammable moment. And those have been very successful. My go-to one, though, that I really enjoy is the fact that there's just a sense of the uniformity of it. I really do enjoy the boxes. And one thing about the boxes, somebody pointed out in a group that I'm in on Facebook, I believe, that Funko Pops used to have the little tags on the back where you would hang them up from the, uh, in the, the toy aisle. And that's something that not many people realize used to be. Yeah, the very first Marvel, I think Hulk and Nick Fury and that line, I think they did have those hang tags. Uh, I know I have a uh, a Batman speaker pop, an actual functional speaker uh, that had a hang tag on there that I ordered from Amazon years ago. Uh, there aren't many. Those are just the early ones. But if you go back even a little further, uh, and we have this in our documentary, uh, Making Fun, which currently is not available to stream anywhere, but we're working on getting it up somewhere. Um the very first Pops weren't even called Pops. They were called Funko Force 2.0. And they came in these uh, clam shell, no, that's not the proper term, uh, bubble shell uh, packaging. And you had to uh, cut it open in order to get the figure out. Wow. And someone came along, I don't know who, I, I'm sure internally I can find out, and came up with this box design with the plastic insert. And the most genius thing about it is, is A, the uniformity that we've done over the years, but B, you can take the figure out, take photos, look at it, do whatever you want, and put it back without damaging anything, packaging or figure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the win. I think that was one of the most attractive things to this entire realm of pop. I know for me as a fan, that was a big deal. Even if I wanted to take them out, I'd keep the box somewhere else so that one day, yeah. if I wanted to trade it or sell it, I could do that. Genius. Yeah, and I don't know if that was on purpose or if we just stumbled into it. You know, you know how that goes. <laughs> A happy accident. Exactly. Bob Ross. Who, by the way, is the subject of many pop vinyls as well. Yeah, I've got a couple sitting right behind me right now, including the flocked Afro Bob Ross, my personal favorite. I'm partial to the one that came with the raccoon. I think that one is the yeah. absolute best one. His little buddy. Yeah, that's a great one. And again, like there's just so many different characters and things that come out through the pop vinyl, pop lineup. And by the way, is it popped or pop vinyl? Because I've been calling them pop vinyls for so many years. I think those are interchangeable. It's What, what you don't call them, uh, and this happens all the time, is Funko's or Funko Dolls, those are our least favorite terms. But Funko Pop or Funko Pop Vinyl is absolutely interchangeable. Yeah, because one of with the, the Pops, just some of the characters that we see, there are so many deep cuts. I know we had discussed when we were at Toy Fair the, uh, the Fight Club ones, and 
when I looked like right behind, I saw the little penguin and like the reaction that got out of me was tremendous. Yeah, I, I honestly can't get over it. I mean, that's, again, one of the things that attracted me to Funko was I bought Sully from Monsters, Inc., and that was one of the first ones I got. But as time went on and they started to do some different licenses, it really got my attention because you take something like Friends or Golden Girls or Bob Ross, uh, up till three years ago, there was no merch for those things. You couldn't buy an action figure or a pop or anything. And then we came on the scene and started doing some of that, and... Man, it got people's attention. I still cannot get over how popular the Golden Girls have been huh. because there's a huge contingency of fans out there that either grew up with it, uh, are older and, and align with it, or you've got these entirely new audiences that are catching it in reruns now. Fans across the board of all ages, and for the first time, they can buy action figures, pops, dorbs, cereal, pez, all for their favorite characters from Golden Girls, and it just continues to deliver so going after those, I mean, that one's not niche or deep cut, but it, it speaks to the fact that we try different licenses. And, uh, yeah, I love the deep cut stuff personally. And, and to your point, like the Fight Club one, uh, there's a regular version and a chase. And for the first time ever, they're completely different figures. So your regular version is your uh, Tyler Durden, and then the variant of the chase is the the other guy who never actually gets a name in the movie. <laughs> And with that, also, going back over to the Golden Girls one, myself, I own the B. Arthur pop vinyl because I have a Deadpool pop vinyl, and every king deserves his queen. So we have them together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great pairing. <laughs> All I could think of when you said Golden Girls was the Sanderson sisters. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. What, crickets again? <laughs> Here we go. What? I, just, I had seen I them. I left the pause there. Hey, good deal. Uh, pause up. Was was that? And I said, all right, that's all there is to that series, I suppose. I genuinely shook yeah. my head. <laughs> An annual movie that comes out for the month of October. You know, Salem, I've been to many years, and of course, there you go. And with the idea of all of the pop finals, one of the things that I wish had been done, I don't know how it was done with the worthy Cap figure. With Did you guys do a figure of Cap holding the, uh, Mjolnir? We did two, actually. We, first, we did one that was in one of the Marvel Collector Core boxes. And, you know, when we do these, one thing that people don't understand is we get concept art or direction from the studios, and the artists put it together, and oftentimes they're working before they've ever seen the film. So that one that came out in the MCC box, the Mjolnir was in what the fans like to call his wrong hand. <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt. I mean, he could have held it in either hand during the film, and maybe there were some cut scenes or something. I don't know. But so we ended up putting out more of a mainline one where it was then in the quote-unquote proper hand uh, so that the fans were happy. So, yes, you got a couple options there. With that, it, it just reminds me of the when, – when that figure was made, did they hide – like, could you hide Mjolnir in the packaging? Like, and then when the person who opens it sees it, they go, oh, wow, Mjolnir's there too. <laughs> No, we didn't do that with that one. Uh, that would have been a nice touch. Uh, but we know. do put hidden things on the back of some figures and even in the packaging. Sometimes if you open up the little tab on top, uh, there is a line written uh, in the packaging that, that has a quote from the film or maybe a, a nice little hidden something uh, that only a true fan would get. I know with uh, the Marvel Legends that Hasbro puts out, they did a worthy cap action figure. And it's right on the bottom, underneath, right behind his shield, is a little Mjolnir it comes with that you can't see when you look at the package. That's cool. That's a nice touch. That's why, well played on that's their why when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. I hope, you know, I wonder if they did it with that, too. Well, does that cap also come with, uh, I don't know, the partial shield or the full shield? It's Battle Ravage, sir. What? It's what? Battle Ravage. Believe me, that okay. thing is not in one piece. Wow. <laughs> And on top of that, you know, I keep saying on top of that, but yes, you one, do. Of the things, one of the things with Funko is also just the element of what's next for the future. And obviously you can't tell us what's on the horizon because confidentiality, we want to keep it that way. And we don't, also don't want to ask what are some of your favorite ones. 
But we'd but love you to just regale did. you with maybe characters we'd like to see. Would that be all right? Uh, absolutely. Eddie, go, you go first. So, I want to put you on the spot. All right, so what characters would you like to see? Yes, Eddie, what characters would you like to see? You're asking me. Like, I know the line of pop to begin with. Well, because I'm going to expert on the line. So all right, here we go. Someone. I think Peter may, and it probably came out of it, Moon Knight. Oh, yeah, we did a Walgreens exclusive Moon Knight, which actually really liked the pose on that one. Fantastic figure. Now, there's a question that I, that you just reminded me of. What, what's up with the Walmart, or whether Walgreens or Target or what exclusives? Yeah, it's just an opportunity to work with the retailers to give fans a reason, much like Free Comic Book Day, to draw people to stores. They do the same thing with the exclusives. They may sell some online, uh, but it gives fans a reason to come into their stores specifically to look at things. Uh, we work closely with those retailers to find exclusives that sometimes make sense specifically for their store. Uh, and then, like in the case of Hot Topic, I, I had H.T. Uh, Nerdet, who's their spokesperson and buyer, on our podcast uh, going back probably six months ago, and she has a big hand in pitching ideas to Funko and saying, hey, mm. we think our fans would like this. Would you make it? And sometimes that happens. So what other places have there been exclusives besides what we just mentioned? At this point, it might be easier to name the ones that haven't. No, but, really? Uh, okay. Amazon, Walmart, Target, Hot Topic, Box Lunch, Michaels, um Guy, you you could go on and on. There's been multiple online retailers. Uh, some of the smaller ones like Gemini. How about PetSmart? Uh, toys. I mean, PetSmart, not yet, but that's a good call. We have done the pets line, I'll so take, maybe we should make some for them. I'll take five percent on that cut. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Good luck. We'll have our lawyers contact your people. <sighs> it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> for my for myself, I think I'd love to personally see a. Um, comic version of Drax the Destroyer. I don't think that one's been done yet with the purple cape and everything. Ah. Did you say of Drax? Yep. Yeah, with the purple cape. We did make a comic version for part of our Christmas bundle that we did this past year. Um, and I'm actually, while I'm uh, looking this up, we have our app, the Funko app, that you can look up any figure or any character you can think of, but it's also on our website on Funko.com if you go to catalog. Uh, you can search for anything. So in the few times where I just completely draw a blank, I can go to it. And we did make uh, Drax in, he's green, like bright green via the comics with some red around his eyes, holding knives in both hands. Uh, but it doesn't look like he has the cape on him. Okay. When you said bundle, though, Sully, you mean multiple figures in one package or? Yeah, the, we tried different things over the last few years, and one thing we did for Christmas this past year was sell a bunch of figures uh, kind of as a giant blind box. So if you wanted to, you could plop down the money to buy this bundle for several hundred bucks, and they were guaranteed to all be pops, because uh, in years past we had mixed in other lines that we do. Wow. Uh, but uh, if you bought it, you got all these pops, and there was no guarantee that they would ever be sold individually or that that bundle wouldn't sell out, and that would be the only way to get them. Uh, so quite a few fans jumped on that as soon as it was put out. I know before coming to Funko, if they offered any kind of deal like that, I would jump on it because you just never knew what really kind of cool exclusive may not be available to the rest of the world that you could pick up. And personally on a uh, non-Marvel related one, because I know, again, you guys have done so much, but I would love to see a Val Kilmer real genius pop final because I'm oh, part hey, of that man. movie and... I was just talking about that movie like two, three days ago to somebody. I can't remember who, but I was describing it to him because, you know, anybody born post-1985, 1990 may not be familiar with the film. Uh, but I think the key takeaway here is uh, we do take in fan ideas. We're constantly looking on our social channels. Uh, and we don't have a, a place like Lego Ideas where people can come in and necessarily catalog or, or pitch a concept. But we do look at the comments, and under every one of our posts on every channel, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, fans are very vocal about what they want to see next. And we look for trends. And if we see something a lot of people ask for, we run that up the flagpole and uh, see if the high-ups can go after a license for it or, or get approval to make it. And a lot of the ones, like especially The Office that came out last year, the first wave, that came from fans making suggestions. So we do listen. Uh, it just takes a while 
from the time that we decide to approach a license before it can actually be made and produced. And that's the part that throws people. I think we don't listen, but we absolutely do. And again, just some of the things that I see get released as top vinyls, the fact that there's a Werner Herzog Star Wars top vinyl, I love living in this timeline for that. I think that's the greatest <laughs> top vinyl ever made. That is a fun one. Yeah, I, I definitely like those. Those I wouldn't even call them obscure, but different than anyone else is doing. I, I really like those the most. A Herzog pop vinyl just for the director line would be great, too, because I know he would be down for that. Huh, interesting. Who knows what's coming with those directors? We've barely scratched the surface of that line, so anything's possible Absolutely. at this point. I think so with that, the amount that, that's come out pop-wise, because I don't think you're following a trend. You, you start trends, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, we talk about that a lot internally. There's no reason for us to duplicate the efforts or, or, or copy the efforts of other toy companies collectible companies when we can do our own thing. Oh. Uh, and I, I think that's what makes Funko unique. Not only the licenses we go after, but the way we engage with our fans uh, and the, the extras that we do that most companies don't. I mean, my, the big part of my job is fan engagement. I spend my time on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, doing the podcast, doing videos, doing live video, just listening to fans, answering questions, uh, talking about their collections and my collection and, I mean, honestly, most days it doesn't even feel like work when I get to do that stuff. Like, I love going sure. to cons uh, and getting to talk to fans, uh, ones that have I've never talked to before and have no idea who I am or people that listen to the Funcast every week. Uh, I love every one of those conversations because I'm going to take something different away from it, whether it be ideas or just a, just a nice connection with somebody. I love that. Well, take this one away, Sully, and here's one that I don't think may have come out yet. Toxic Avenger. Ooh, that's a great one. Yay! Yeah, good I for don't me. Think All we've right. ever done it. I, I think I've seen customs of it. Okay, but we've never done a pop for Toxic Avenger. That would be that would be a great one. That's uh, that's going to tap into a sub uh, culture, I think, of some kind. I, I know someone who definitely would be all over that. Yeah, and I think a few internal employees are big fans, so that okay. that could be something one day, maybe. I'm, I'm still trying to get some other characters that have not had pop vinyls made of them, and it's so hard because there have been so many different things that have been done. I just came up with one. Come on. Yeah. Well, no, every time I one, I'm like, oh, wait. All right, speedball. I was back uh, in Houston for Christmas. I was talking to some family members who weren't necessarily Funko collectors, and we just kind of had like a brainstorming session. They kept pitching things at me to see if it had ever been done, and we still came up with a list of yeah, I don't know, at least a couple dozen movies and television shows that could be huge hits mm-hmm. that just haven't happened yet. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I don't think we'd ever catch up. You know, I mean, there's so much new content produced every day. that, And we reveal something new almost every single day at this point. I still don't think we'll ever even come close to catching up. I think we'll always be chasing that next thing or, or something old that's new again. You know, I, I love the resurgence of some of these fandoms after years like dark crystal that was yeah. you know the original movie people were fans of and we did some lines but then netflix brought it back and opened up this whole other world for us to do more characters and i, I think that's going to happen more times than we can make new figures well that sounds like job security to me i don't know yeah well let's hope so i, I like what i'm doing so i'd like to continue to do it for a while here we go shogun warriors oh my god i no, I don't think we've done that one either. Mm-mm. He's making notes, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> one that I would, I would unironically buy, I would love to own one, a Columbo Pop vinyl. I'm no. not exaggerating. I would love a Columbo Pop vinyl. <laughs> I'm so sorry to interrupt we you. did make a Columbo figure, but it wasn't a pop. It was uh, part of another line we did, and I'm trying to find it. But I know we did one at one point. But just imagine, like, the big announcement. Like, you have everything you show off, and then just at the end you just hear, just one more thing. <laughs> oh, they're talking Columbo, even better. Okay. There'd be dozens of excited fans. Yeah, wait a second. Back up now. <laughs> I'm one of them. Now. There are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> dozens. Yeah, thank you for catching the Arrested Development. Shout out. Well, listen, who came before Transformers? Shogun Warriors, perhaps? Hmm? Maybe? Oh, Eddie. You're welcome. All right. (laughs) I have that run of 20 issues or whatever, so there. 
That's great, Eddie. Very That's nice. Exactly right. Yes. And the Godzilla run, 24 or so issues. Yep, yep, yep. Southern bless your heart, Eddie. Southern bless your heart. Some, somebody should. Thank you. <laughs> I like that you call out the Southern part of that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Being Shout from out Texas, to my friend we, just, Joey we didn't have to add that part. <laughs> We're in the Catskills. All right, never mind. <laughs> oh, Southern bless your heart is good anytime. But uh, one of the other things that just gets me going with this is some of the characters that I'll just see, and it'll just catch me so off guard. And the one that I keep going to in my example is the Sanford and Sunset. And when I saw that for the first time, like the reaction that it got out of me was pretty spectacular. You big dummy. I love Red Fox. And to see that, that was cool. I'm coming to join you. Mm -hmm. And Cheech and Chong around the same time. And man, the fans loved it. Out. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about the Cheech and Chong one as well, and there's just, again, so many great things. I, I guarantee there's probably been an Animal House set, I'm assuming. Uh, just announced at Toy Fair this year, actually. See? <laughs> oh, and one's going to do the zit imitation. Here we go. <laughs> You're going to have to make that, that a custom. <laughs> okay. That would be a fun custom, too. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Now, Sully, before we wrap this episode up, we want to say first off, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. I had fun, too. Fun co, fun pop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the name of the oh, thing. Eddie. For something I didn't know too much about. Well, these are the educational episodes that we love to bring to you, oh. and especially to Eddie. Yes, that's right. Now, Sully, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on them and our social medias? Well, if you want to engage and follow Funko, uh, we are at Original Funko on all channels. And if you uh, didn't get tired of the sound of my voice during this and you want to interact with me on social, I am at C.S. Sully, that's C-S-S-U-L-L-Y, on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. And I, I absolutely love interacting with people. So follow me, interact with me. Let's, let's chat. For The Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Sully. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. Obsessed with Marvel. Back to the matter at hand after all that Funko pop talk. Everybody, pop music. M, 1980, thereabouts. Okay, Peter, here we go. Question 1,667, which reads, Richards. Bar. <gasps> Wait a minute. Which Fantastic Four foe clashes with the Hulk in the Incredible Hulk number 119 and 120? Mm. All right, let's go. The Mad Thinker, the monster from the Lost Lagoon, Psycho Man, or Maximus? Fantastic Four foe clashing with the Hulk in Incredible Hulk 119, 120. Mad Thinker, monster from the Lost Lagoon, Psycho Man, or Maximus? We have to presume that these are all Fantastic Four foes, because that's what we're seen to be headed in that direction. I think it's choice E, Octopussy. Oh, that's, oh, that's a James Bond movie. Okay. Never say never, Eddie. Yes. Again. Again. Yes. Okay. A lot of those movies. All right. Uh, Fantastic Four foe. Um, I'm leaning towards Mad Thinker myself. I'm not sure why. I'm in agreement. So let's try letter A, shall we? And it is not correct. The answer is Maximus. Okay. Minimus. I don't remember. Well, I do remember Maximus from The Incredible Hulk, especially from... Marvel superheroes featuring the Incredible Hulk on the reprint side. And I didn't know they were a Fantastic Four foe. I don't know that Maximus lasted too long in the comics. No, that's a faux pas. It is? Maximus maxed out. Short run. I don't know. Not short round. Hold on, lady. We go for a ride. Please never do that accent ever again. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. One, zero, one, one. Almost there. One more page. Here we go. The suspense is killing me. Your suspenders are killing you? Uh, Too tight. Okay. Which legendary figure did Iron Man meet in Iron Man number 150? I think I know this. I'm not even sure if I read it. Is it King Arthur, Cleopatra, Thomas Edison, or Leonardo da Vinci? 
Which legendary figure did Iron Man meet in Iron Man number 150? I think this was even uh, the front cover was a throw to to that. That kind of gives me a hint anyway. King Arthur, Cleopatra, Thomas Edison, Leonardo da Vinci. Wouldn't it be da Vinci? Why do you say that? Because of his plans and everything, his, like, books. Um, okay. I'm going to go with Thanks. King Arthur myself. Yeah, actually, yeah, that does make sense. All right, I so again... King Arthur issue uh, during well, that era. Letter A was wrong before, but let's choose letter A right now, and... That is correct. One what for two. Da, da, da. Tell them what they've won, Johnny. Oh, no, it's Peter. Sorry. John, I swear to God, if you don't include Rod Roddy from The Price is Right. 1842. Okay, here we are. Which shield agent became infatuated with Electra in Electra Assassin, which was out from 86 to 87? All right, which shield agent became infatuated with Electra? Clay Quartermain, John Garrett, Alexander Pierce, or Al McKenzie? Uh, definitely would be shooting in the dark here. Which shield agent became infatuated with Electra in Electra Assassin? Clay Quartermain, John Garrett, Alexander Pierce, Al McKenzie. I really only know two of those names, and that's Clay and Alexander, but... Uh, yeah, I think it would be Pierce. You want to go Pierce? Let's just try mm. Peter's answer C. No, it is not. The answer is B, John Garrett. I'm out of that. John, Eddie, that was, a, that was a deception. Two out of three is bad, this case. Oof. Okay, Mr. Loaf. That was anticlimactic. Let's do one more. And let's go for a fourth one. And it's number 1820. And the the question is, what was the order? Was it the original defenders under the mental control of Yandroth? Was it a subversive organization opposed by the Pantheon? Was it a cabal of evil sorcerers who opposed Doctor Strange? Or was it a religious group in Undersea Atlantis? The Doctor Strange one. Because um, there was a book called Doctor that. Strange and the Order. I thought there was a comic book just called The Order. I think it's the Doctor Strange one. All right, because that's the Brian K. Vaughn book. We have the original defenders under the mental control of Yandroth, a subversive organization opposed by the Pantheon, a cabal of evil sorcerers who oppose Doctor Strange, or a religious group in Undersea Atlantis. Totally doesn't They're make sense Dr. for that. Strange. Let's go with the letter C once again. And no, it's not. The well, answer shit. is the original defenders under the mental control of Yandroth. That definitely wraps it up for today.